Fantastic. Thank you so much. I uh, loved worship. I love worship tonight and every night, and uh, not just here in a meeting, uh, but in my own private devotional times and uh, worship time, whether it's uh, in the car, whether it's in my office, um, or whether it's at the kitchen sink, um, and I'm just singing away, washing up the dishes. Um, I, I think Jane often comes in the room and I'm singing words that don't belong in the songs, but I'm making a joyful noise. Um, noise is the operative word there, Sam, and that. Uh, making a joyful noise to the Lord and um, it's just great welcome uh, to FC local here Sunday night our last one as Camille said uh, we will be going to Sunday mornings next week and I'm sure you've already signed up if you haven't please make sure you sign up yeah give us a, give us a clap and make sure people know you're here tonight nice and loud awesome lots of people in the room and uh, there's a few more spaces, so if you're, if you're local, feel free to come down and join us, and we'll sign you in. Um, but it's great to have you on, online with us tonight. Uh, to, we are going to continue, um, and this will be our final um, evening looking at the book of Haggai, or Haggai, depending on how you pronounce it. And there are all sorts, I've, I've done a um, pronunciation of this um, in all sorts of different, um, different Google sites and there are so many variations. It's Haggai or Haggai as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to look at this tonight and then we're going to bring some conclusions to our thoughts. Um, and I just want to recap a little bit. So we're going to read some of the scriptures uh, from the book of Haggai that we've been through already. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 through to 9. We've read this over and over again but it is so uh, needful for where we're looking at. It says this, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying... This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes. In other words, everything that they were doing because they weren't putting God first was being wasted because their, their first priority was themselves rather than God. And then God says again, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take Pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. It's talking about priority. It's talking about where is our attention? What are our priorities? What is foremost or first place in our lives? And the Bible you know, Jesus very clearly written in red, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things that they were looking after, all these other things will be added to you. So life really is about putting, uh, putting in priority the right things in our life. If we, we looked at it last week and, it, and, and this statement, consider your ways, means to put your heart on your roads. 
And it's an interesting way of looking at it. If you, if you, you know, you can get pulled in all sorts of directions in life, all sorts of uh, people's opinions. You can have an opinion on something, someone talks to you about their opinion, and then your opinion perhaps changes to what their opinion is. We can have many different roads that we go down in our leisure, pleasure, work, home life, our pursuits, our heart for God. There are many different areas in our lives where our heart may be on the road. But this scripture, Psalm 84, says, Blessed are those who find strength in you. Their hearts are on the road that lead to you. And the key for every one of us is, if our heart is on the road, is the road leading to Jesus? Is the heart on the road to righteousness? Is it on the road that God is walking on? We've got to examine our heart to make sure that our road we're walking is the road and the path that Jesus is on. So last week we saw that when the children of Israel, the Jewish, the remnant that was left, changed their priorities, changed the direction of the heart, stopped worrying about their pursuits, their homes, their paneled walls, and then took on board what, what God was saying to them, everything began to change in their life. When the word of the Lord came forward, whenever we preach the word, you know, I, I, when I prepare, I search my heart to make sure I'm living this the best I can so that when I preach, I'm not preaching a hypocritical life, that I'm out living, out working in my life. Remember week one, I said that I felt the Lord was speaking to me. And as I considered these things, I, th- I felt it was right to share it amongst us. So the Lord was speaking to me first. And very often before I preach a message, it's the Lord speaking to me first and it's like he's he's changing me he's 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 working something into my heart that then I bring to the wider church and say we need to work this into our heart and here this is what happened Haggai the prophet brought the word of the Lord which worked into their heart and then they outworked it in their life so whenever the word of the Lord touches our heart it brings transformation The word of God brings transformation to our life. When the Lord corrects us, which he did here, it brings a change of mind and then brings a change of heart. Very often it starts here and is outworked in our heart. There are times that it works here and then we need to work out our salvation in our thinking. But the word of the Lord came to them by Haggai and it changed their ways. Then we read this last week, Haggai chapter 1 verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatliel, I can't pronounce his name very well, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Do you know what? As I've been sharing, as I've been outworking this word in our lives, the heart that I'm hoping you're catching is we 
The Spirit of God is working in our heart and we are going to come and work on the house of the Lord. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to get involved somehow, somewhere, in some department and say, we are going to build the house of God, the kingdom of God in this area. But what is so significant throughout the book of Haggai is two chapters, it's 38 verses, and five times this phrase is repeated. Consider or consider your ways in 38 verses. That is a high percentage of repetition. And whenever you see repetition, you need to take note of why it's there. And especially when you see it in sequences of, 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 of numbers, this being five, five times in 38 verses. And five is an, in, an interesting number. Very often we look at three, the Trinity, or we look at seven, of perfection. But five is also a very important number in the Bible, and it has an incredible significance. In, I'm going to just re, 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 relate some of those to you. I'm going so fast, I can't keep up. <clears throat> Slow down. The Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. Five parts of the Ten Commandments are related between us and our Father in Heaven, our relationship with God. The other five are related to how we interact and connect with each other. Five, two lots of five. The book, five, first five books of the Bible, the Torah, written by Moses, or the Pentateuch. It was, it was written by Moses. That the Torah, that's what the, the Jews take a hold of and base so much of their faith on. Five books. When Jesus took the five loaves, he divided them amongst his disciples and fed 5,000 you know, we know there's another time when he took the four, four, thousand, uh, four loaves and fed the 4,000. But there was, there was this moment when he took the five and fed the 5,000. Um, the tabernacle is measured in multiples of five. Five curtains, five pillars, five bars. And the tabernacle was measured out in fives. There's five ingredients to the holy anointing oil that was used to, for the sanctify, sanctification in the tabernacle. There are five ingredients in there. There's five offerings in the, the book of Leviticus. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. And each of these sacrifices were fulfilled in Jesus himself. So there are many hidden gems in the Bible when you go digging and go searching and go looking for them. And here, the number five is really important. When you go back to the book of Haggai, the repetition of consider or consider your ways is mentioned five times in 38 verses. And it speaks of God's heart for his people. Five in the Bible speaks of power and divine grace. Whenever you see multiples of five, it's about divine grace. His ability or his un, uh, unmerited favour being outworked in our life or the power of his grace un, uh, being outworked. And here in Haggai, it's mentioned five times, consider your ways, consider, consider, consider your ways. Why? Because that's the heart of God for every one of us. When we're outworking our journey, when we're doing life, God's heart of grace is, I don't want you making mistakes. I don't want you going down the wrong path. Consider your ways. Why? Because his grace is drawing us back to him. Just as it was in the book of Haggai, he was drawing the remnant to his heart. He was drawing them out. He wasn't, he wasn't doing a punishment on them. 
He was saying, look, if you come to me, if you draw on me the things that you're desperately trying to achieve in your own ability, I will do those. But it's my heart that I'm longing that you walk with. And this picture of grace throughout the book of Haggai and throughout the Bible as we see the fives unfolded is amazing. Then we're going to turn to Haggai chapter 2. There's so many things. Two chapters of the Bible in the Old Testament that have so much relevance to us today. So here, in, in, from verse, uh, verse 1 to uh, verse, where should we go? Verse 3. In the seventh month, seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, this prophet said, had a lot to say. God was speaking through him continually into the lives of these men and women. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? He was talking about Solomon's temple, the wonder of Solomon's temple. When they saw that original structure built back in in the um, Old Testament, further back, he was saying, who amongst you saw it in its former glory? And how do you now, how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? And I love what it's, it, the, the, this, this last verse, is this not in your eyes nothing? See, sometimes we can look back to former days or former pastors, or former preachers, or old ways of doing things. Oh, it's not like it used to be. And here he's saying, is this not in your eyes as nothing? And we can compare and and contrast and, and, and say, oh, that wasn't as good as this, and that song's not as nice as that, and these days the music's not like... We can compare and contrast these different things. But the bottom line is, God is saying, is this not in your eyes, as nothing. And and what he was saying is, some of you remember what Solomon's temple was like. Some of you were alive when the splendor and the glory of God fell and and the the ministers, ministers couldn't even minister in the house of God because the glory of God was so heavy and the cloud of God's Shekinah was amongst them. And he was saying to them, you, don't you, this is nothing. You're looking at this as if it's nothing in your sight. And to them, they were unimpressed. They were underwhelmed. It was incomplete. But from God's perspective, it wasn't the house of God that he was looking at. It was the heart of those who were in his house. And I believe that's the same as what it is today. God's not looking for an incredible structure. He's looking for those who would fill the house, who have a heart for him. Maybe we've got broken down lives, but he looks for the heart of the individual. We may not have it all together, but he looks for the heart of the one who seeks him and walks with him and desperately is trying to do their best to change their ways. He's saying, hey, don't look at yourself in a negative way. Don't look at yourself as this this former glory because he's not looking at you in that manner. When God looks at us, he sees the splendor of a Solomon's temple, but he sees the heart. He says, I've now come to dwell in you. 
That's the temple that God looks for. When God comes and fills the temple, it's not because it's a beautiful building. It's not because we're going to build a bigger one across the way. It's because the heart of the people are saying, come Holy Spirit, fill this place. Come God, move in might and power. That the heart is that we will draw near to him and that he will draw near to us. That's what God is looking for in his house today. And the children of Israel, they, they were looking at it. And, and some of the older members of the congregation that were there, they were looking at this structure thinking, it's unimpressive. It's unfinished. It's nothing like the glory of Solomon's temple. And then God begins to speak again. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. I want this to be an impartation to everyone in this room tonight. Now be strong, Jerry. Be strong. Be strong, Julie. Be strong, Steve. Be strong, Sarah. Be strong, Alison. It's an impartation. God is speaking into our life and he's declaring something. But it wasn't just to Zerubbabel. He said, now, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, says the Lord. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. He said it again. He said it previously and now he's saying it. He's reaffirming something in their life. Look, remember, I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you in school. I'm with you in college. I'm with you when, when you're, 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 you're shedding tears of desperation. I'm with you in the journey of your life. I'm there. Thus says the Lord, according to what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I love the way that Haggai is, is imparting what God is saying to each one of them. Do not fear. There are so many believers that are walking around fearful and, and, and worried and anxious in life. But the word of God is, do not fear. And, and to my understanding, in the Bible, it is 365 times it says, be not fearful. Do not fear. Why? Because it's one day, one for every day of the year. He doesn't want us to live in fear. And God in the midst of this, he remained faithful to the children of Israel. Oh, even when they were faithless and building their own things and doing their own way and doing, doing their own plans. Do you know what? God remained faithful to them in the journey. Even when they were faithless, when they were, were ignoring what God was asking them to do. When they faltered in life. Guess what? When we falter in life. God is still there. When we fail miserably, God is still there. He has promised that he would be with us in the journey of our life from beginning to end. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. He's always with us and will never leave us. You know, family church, we've we, we, we got to realise that the, the journey of our life isn't finished. We're not the finished product. God is still moving on our heart. He's still changing us. 
by, by, by one degree, maybe, maybe just a little bit here and a little bit there. For others, he's changing us continually, daily, in, in, increasing our awareness of who God is in our life. The more we yield, the quicker he changes our life. God is looking for yielded hearts, yielded vessels, not my life, but yours, not my will, but yours be done. God is looking for yielded lives. Just remember, God's not finished. You're not the finished product. It doesn't matter how young or how old, you are not the finished product. God, in his goodness and his infinite grace, will continue to show his strength when we feel weak. He will always be our strength. He knows you. Isn't that amazing? God knows you. Powerful. God knows you. There is nothing that we can hide from him. There is nothing that we can do that he does not see. Why? Because he's always with us. He always wants the best for us. And he's journeying through life with us. An ever-present help in time of need. I think it's amazing. This right now is a season. This last year has been a season. Our next month and our next year is a season. Seasons come and seasons go. We will always move into the next season of life. There's seasons of winter, summer, spring and autumn. Yes, not in that order, but not, that's not the only season. There's the season of being young, middle-aged, Young middle-aged, not so old middle-aged. I'm in that bracket. Oh, there's lots of categories for young middle-aged. Middle-aged, and then there's the older season, and then there's the, the autumn of life before you get to the winter of life. And sometimes we have long winters, and praise the Lord for those. But we have seasons. We have seasons of growth. We have seasons when we're developing and maturing in our faith. Right now is a season. What are we doing in the season this season of our life are we planting seed for the harvest we want to reap in the seasons to come don't quit now before you see your miracle don't quit now before you see the promises of god revealed in your life and in your journey don't give up on the promises of god because he is faithful to them every promise in god's word is yes and amen and so be it so don't give up before you see the promise fulfilled we need to remember that the creator of the universe this is some statement the creator of the universe has taken up residence in you i just doesn't that, isn't that mind-blowing? Take a step back. It's like the God of the universe. No wonder he said nothing is impossible to those who believe. Why? Because the creator of the universe now lives in us. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
That's the amazing thing of this Christian journey, our walk with God, being a follower of Jesus Christ. It, we're not doing it alone, but he, he now lives and abides and dwells in us. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in this world. Oh, if only we believe some of these scriptures and embrace them and outwork them and outwalk them in our journey. And as we do, transformation will happen on the inside. There is nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing that you can't overcome. And there's nothing that you can't get victory in. That's amazing. Because the greater one now lives in us. God begins to speak again to the children of Israel. To this remnant that's left in Haggai chapter 2 verse 6. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts. Or in other translations it says, the Lord Almighty. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while. And I will shake the heaven and the earth the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they should come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Five times as the word of Haggai is repeated again, Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, five times he in these short three verses, the Lord of hosts is saying. What is he saying? In these last days, when all these things begin to happen, watch for my grace and my exceeding power. I believe we're, be, we're coming into, if this, if this hasn't shaken all nations, I don't know what will. We have been through 15 months where nations around the world have been shaken with the same thing. I believe there is going to come a shaking like we've never seen before. But at the same time as the shaking, there is a power that's going to be unleashed upon the earth of God's grace. Great grace will be upon the church in the last days. Great grace. Great grace was upon the New Testament church. And they were moved in signs and wonders and miracles. And I believe that the former will be, the latter will be greater than the former. And, and the Spirit of God, like it's spoken of in the book of Acts, chapter two, uh, chapter two I think it is, one, two. And it, it talks about the fact of Joel and, and the outpouring that's going to come upon the church in the last days. There is going to be a move of power and grace at the same time in the latter days. And everything that seemed to be unshakable a few years ago, the banks around the world shook like never before. Now the nations are shaking and governments are reeling at what's happened through this pandemic. When this moment happens, it says here, and I will shake the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. What is that? That is grace drawing from every creed, background and doctrine. They're going to be drawn to the desire of all nations, which is Jesus. And the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. Who amongst us 
is going to be a vessel of use in these last days. Who amongst us are going to stand before heaven's throne and say, here I am, use me. Who amongst us are going to call out to the God and uh, to our God and say, here, use me, use me where I go, whether it's a school, work or, or in our community. Here I am. And the place, in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God wasn't saying, thus says the Lord Almighty, for no reason. He was saying over and over and over, five times over, grace and power is going to be released upon the earth. Grace and power is going to be released upon this earth. And he's looking for a remnant. You look at the churches around this nation and, and many years ago they were packed. There was a statistic I remember hearing that the churches on Sunday, this is in, probably in the last 30 years, churches on Sundays have more people attending than football stadiums did on a Saturday. I don't know what the statistics are today, but it feels like a remnant that is left. But God was doing this with a remnant. With the, with, in, in the book of Acts, it was 12 disciples that Jesus called. It was then the 70. It was then the 120. It was then 500. On the day of Pentecost, it was 120 in an upper room. Then there was 3,000 added that same day. Then a few days later, 5,000 were added. And then multitudes were being added. They went from being a, a remnant to changing the world where the Christians were turning the known world upside down. What were they going preaching? Truth and grace and power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit went before them wherever they went. I believe we're coming into those days. I believe that these days are ahead of us. But he's looking for a remnant. He's looking for a people who are available to be used by him. Who are strong in what they believe. Who are not wavering in doctrinal truth. That they know their God. That they know that he does exploits. I believe these days are before us. God is reminding us of his almighty power and divine grace that will be displayed in the last days again. As we close, let's consider our ways. Is our head or our heart on the road that leads to him in our pursuits? Is our heart or our head on the ground of our relationships that leads to God? Is our heart on the ground regarding our workplace that honours and leads to God? And every facet of our life, you, you divide your life up, you're, you are a pizza of many pieces. You know, the, the, the round of your life, you've you got your family life, you've got your work life, you got, we're, we're made up of pizza slices. But are the piece, pizza slices of our life all leading with our heart towards God. Because that is what he's looking for in our life. Thus says the Lord. Consider your ways. I guess that means that for some of us. We may need to cut some things out. 
that aren't glorifying to God, that aren't helping us on our journey to understand God more, things that would be sin, things that would hinder our walk with him. We've got to deal with those, remove them from our life, repent and turn back to God in those areas. Romans chapter 13, I love this. Romans 13 verse 14, it says, but be like the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great encouragement. You know, can you imagine that first thing in the morning, the first thing you hear, the first thing that you read every morning, be like the Lord Jesus, so that when people see what you do, they will see Christ. What a great encouragement that is. Now, if that wasn't possible to do, it wouldn't be in the word of God. So it is in the word and it's there so that we can live like it. He says this, Romans 13, 14. But be like the Lord Jesus Christ so that when people see what you do, they will see Christ. Don't think about how to satisfy the desires of your sinful self. That's what I mean. Is our head on the road that leads to him? So that others will be led to him as well. We need to consider our ways. And this is the last scripture from two different translations, but this is just class. Psalm 73 verse 28 from the Passion Translation, it reads like this. But I'll keep coming closer and closer to you. I, I could just pause in certain parts of these scriptures because it's beautiful. You know, if you think you've made it, forget it. You haven't. But I'll keep coming closer and closer to you, Lord Yahweh, for your name is good to me. I'll keep telling the world of your awesome works, my faithful and glorious God. What a great passage of scripture. Same scripture from a different translation. But as for me, I get as close to him as I can. Is that true about your life? Is that true about your daily walk with him? I get as close to him as I can. Let, let's consider our ways. This is what we're talking about. Do we walk as close to him? As we can. Scripture carries on. But as for me, I get as close to him as I can. I have chosen him and I will tell everyone about the wonderful ways he's rescued me. Do you know what? The closer you walk to him, the more you'll want to tell your story to others. The reason perhaps why we're not telling others is we're not as close to him as we, what we ought to be. So we've got to consider our ways. And here, but as for me, I get as close to him as I can. I remember hearing of a revival that was taking place and a move of God that was taking place. And the people were in worship. And it was said in that room that the Lord came awfully close. You may have heard me say that once before. The Lord came awfully close. I remember doing this before. I have to take the camera with me. See, is this, is this awfully close? Jane's thinking it's as close as I want right now. But it's not awfully close. It's not awfully close. 
When God comes awfully close, you know his presence. Jane's thinking right now, move away from me. I want that in my daily life, where he comes awfully close. Not, oh, that's awful, but so close, his presence. You feel the breath of God upon your face because he's there. Do you know who, de who determines that according to this scripture? But as for me, I get as close to him as I can. The responsibility is on us. As I draw near to him, he draws near to me. Family church, those who are here, those of you who are watching at home, can I just encourage you? Let's consider our ways. And do our ways line up with his ways? And are we coming closer and closer to him? Let me pray. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Lord, I pray that we would encounter your ways, that our heart and our head would be on the road that leads to you, that we would draw near to you so that you would draw near and nearer and nearer to us so that you become awfully close in our life. Father, I thank you for your word. For those that need correction because they've been at a, at a place where it's just about them, their wants, their needs, what they want to do. Father, I pray your word will bring correction. For those who are hungry for more, I pray that this would have stirred up something in each of our hearts. That our heart would cry out for your heart and your will to be done here on this earth. Father, may we be ever watchful for that day when your power is being released upon this earth and your grace is drawing the nations to the desire of all nations. Lord, may we pray these things into being. May we be ready as individuals and as a church for a move of, of the might and the power and the wonder of our God. Holy Spirit, stir up your people like you did for Zerubbabel, like you did for Joshua, like you did for the remnant of Israel. Father, tonight I pray, stir us up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Don't forget, next Sunday, there is no Sunday night local. But we will be in the building Sunday morning and you need to register before you come. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning. God bless.